Hey everyone, today's episode is part one of my Ceska trilogy leading up to the final four and today's guest is Kostas Hatsikristos. Kostas is their strength and conditioning coach and we go way back but we obviously talked less about us but more about him and he told us about his background, about how he started off going from Greece all the way to the States to study at Texas, how he got his job at the University of Georgia And then how he came back to Greece and worked his way up the ranks all the way to become the strength and conditioning coach at Ceska Moscow. We talked about how he earns the trust of his players, the communication patterns he notices, uh, the presentation he does for the athletes before every season, and much, much more. We talked also about the EuroLeague Strength and Conditioning Association that just started off. Lots of exciting stuff. So... Please enjoy this episode. It's only an audio episode because we recorded in a hotel room. Um, also, please subscribe to this podcast once you listen to it. Give it a good review. Give it a thumbs up on, on YouTube. Uh, there's only going to be the audio file up there as well, obviously. So without further ado, please enjoy. Kostas Hatsikristos. Kostas. <laughs> in person. In person, man. We've been talking now for now. I think I ran out of words to speak, <laughs> but I will gather myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, so first things first, that's the third time we're recording now. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've been chopping it up for a couple of times now, and the internet played a joke on us, so we had to come together and, and do it in person. So thanks for I, doing I, this. I, I think that was the, the purpose of the internet to bring us together and... Uh, you know, it just so happens that luck brought it too, that we traveled to, to where you are to play a game. So it all worked out. I think it's much better. Uh, obviously, personal contact is much, much better. So I think it's going to be a... I hope the listeners are going to enjoy what we have to say. Yes, and we're in a safe distance from each other. It's, 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 a, it's a very uh, good environment here yeah. where we're at just to make sure that everybody knows there's no danger to either one of us. Yeah. Um, uh you know, our timelines unfortunately didn't didn't line up uh, at Seska, but we've met before. You came to, to train Papa Lucas when he was there, and, yeah. and we've had a lot of good conversations. You speak fluent English. You have a rich history of, of, of where you started, uh, when you started training and, and, and being involved with the game. But, but where did you originally feel like this is my path. Where where did it start towards mm -hmm. basketball and then getting introduced to, to the strength and conditioning aspect? Well, you know, I started off, um, I started playing basketball kind of a little bit late. I was about 12, 15 years old. Uh, I'm the product, uh, I'm a kid of the 80s, where people probably don't know that in 1987, Greece won the European Cup uh, that was held in, in Greece. We beat the Soviet Union. Younger listeners will be wondering what that is, but it was at that time the biggest country in the world and uh, a huge basketball force. And we were just a small, tiny country um, that uh, never won anything in, in team sports. And here we were, we, we played them in the final and won uh, a two-point game. And, and all the country, this is something that never happened before and never happened ever since, that the whole country turned uh, into basketball. Basketball was a, a, a pretty popular sport, but football was the king, soccer was the king and each uh, each and every one of us wanted to be the new stars like we had players like Gallis and Yanakis we were all going to become basketball players 
So I was one of them. Mm -hmm. So I joined a team when I was 16 years old, and it was kind of late. You know, you have to start early if you want to do something. And I and I just gave it all all I had. Uh, I practiced a lot, and and at the same time, I was I think smart enough to to be following the university. To be in, I was I I made it into the Greek University of Sports Science. So I was studying at the same time. I ended up playing until the second national league, which is. You know the the second most important league in the country, but right there around uh, 22, 23 years old, I realized that I'm not gonna, I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, I, I don't have the physical abilities to become a, a professional basketball player. But uh, it just so happened that uh, I think it was 1993. I attended. It was my second or third year in school. I don't remember, but there was a big seminar in Greece. Uh, um, a big uh, international seminar, and it was people like uh, coaches like Pat Riley, Don Nelson. They coached mm-hmm. there, and they they, they uh, sorry they they came to uh, to teach, and I was part of this exhibition team. I was still a player, so I was part of that team that coaches used to show their 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 uh, systems, their their plays, and mm-hmm. everything. So uh, along with the, with these great coaches was a strength and conditioning coach named Mark Rabo, then at the Golden State Warriors, worked with Don Nelson. And it was the first time, I think, in Europe that we heard that term strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the 90s. Now, people are laughing, but that, that's the way it is. Yeah. And I always liked to, to work out. I always liked to train. And believe it or not, I always thought that what we did up until that time, this running around laps and running in the force, were just not made for basketball players. And you here, felt it back then that was wrong? Yeah. I mean, I, as an athlete, I, was, I had a great, let's say, endurance. But I was not explosive at all. Yeah. And I just said, why do we keep running laps yeah. when in basketball we have to sprint? And then I saw Mark Grabo and it's all kind of connected. I liked lifting. And back then nobody was lifting. And then it was just a light bulb lit up. I said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And my life uh, and my my whole existence, uh, you know, I, I found a cause. I aligned to that cause. And I Your said, purpose, you know yeah. My purpose, yes. My goal. I want to... This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a strength and conditioning coach. I told people they didn't understand what I wanted to do. Also, what do you... So, uh, it was not known in Europe at that time. So, that was the moment for me that uh, I just I just uh, knew this is what I wanted to do. I like working with athletes. I like training. And I'm going to become a strength coach, not a basketball coach. Because that was going to be my path. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the aha moment for me. So, but that was... All happening in Greece, where you had this this um, light bulb go off, yeah, and, and and then you still wanted to go to the states, right? Because you yeah, you, yeah. you saw that the the development there was much better. Well, you had a good school. I, no, I was growing up. I I'll backtrack a little bit, and and growing up, my my father passed away when I was ten, uh-huh. and that was obviously a, 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 a kind of tragic moment and a defining moment in my life, but. Like everything in life, everything bad holds something good in it. And, uh, you know, uh, you can find, it, it shapes you, any bad situation, any bad experience, uh, and obviously death in the family is one of, of the course. worst. It will shape you. Um, and it will leave some marks in your soul, but it will also uh, act as a booster for me to act as a booster. I matured earlier. I uh, became stronger because there was never a dad to... Intervene. I had to first time I want to join a, a team. I went by myself. I said, "Hey, <laughs> I'm Costas. I want to play basketball." There was never a dad around. I was always by myself. My mother was always working, uh, and just to, to support us. And she did a great job for that, uh, you know, mentally and and 
So you were independent you know, early on. Yeah, kind of independent. And the biggest thing was that, you know, without a father figure, I was kind of left free to to pursue my own path. Mm-hmm. Because my father was in shipping. He was a, a captain. Mm-hmm. And then he went into shipping and my life would have been completely different than it, it, it ended up being. And I, I truly believe I find my calling. And I don't know if I would have found it if I pursued my father's path. You know how it is. With it automatically happens. You kind of, it, yeah, it, it, it you get sucked happens, into yeah. it, I think. Uh, I'm not saying it was going to be a bad thing, but I strongly believe that what I'm doing now, this is what I, I was meant it's to be. Meant you know, for it, you. It's, it's fulfilling. I'll tell you later how, how, why I believe that. And, and just that shaped me and, and gave me an extra drive. And, you know, that moment happened in that seminar, and I just kind of, you know, follow one step to the next. And I always knew... I was always cool that, you know what, you should always study, get get better what you want to do and leave Greece and, and go open your wings. That was my mom, which is rare because we were two boys and she was alone. And yeah. she said, hey, go yeah. pursue your dream. Yeah. So it all led, you know, one led to one thing led to the other. So I finished the army and I where I was while I was in the army, I applied to, to schools in America. I got accepted to Texas, started on a spring semester. Uh, flew there by myself mm. four days after I, I finished with my army. It's a compository thing in Greece. You have to go to the army. So hop on a plane, landed in Texas, didn't know anybody, rented a car, <laughs> had two days to find an apartment and start school. That's I, wild. Yeah, I was, I was out of school for like three and a half years and didn't know anybody. I spoke the language pretty good, uh, still struggled a little bit at school because, you know, uh, terms and you know uh, studying biochemistry in English is not that easy <laughs> uh, but um, I, I just loved it and I, I just worked hard on it and because I really loved it I had a purpose unlike some of my schoolmates there uh, that you know finished their undergrad and then okay what are we going to do we're going to do a master's I just flew from Greece for one reason, and I was not going to let it go. Yeah, yeah. Now, thanks for opening up about yeah. your your, your well, father. You know, thanks. it's not a given thing that people will talk it's about. It's not, but I came to a point after all these years that I'm kind of comfortable talking about it. And then I was always pretty comfortable. I was uh, never hiding, but I just came the last few years. I came to the realization of what really happened and how that shaped my life and why I was a certain way with my relationships with my insecurities and my strengths yeah and because it's not all bad but you just uh through through work and uh talking to the right people i just figured out some things because the good things you notice and so oh, i became so strong yeah i'm yeah, so yeah. good but uh, you, you fail to see the the dark side mm-hmm. and that that's what you got to address but i feel that going through all that pain and struggle and i, I you know a lot of people go through that through different things yeah it allowed me and Combined with my character, it combined me to be able to connect with people on a more emotional level. Yeah, empathy and, and be more empathetic. And and when somebody goes through something, where it be an injury or lost job, I'm able, I'm more able to, Relate. to be compassionate. Yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. I think that helps. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Now you know, like you said, following the father's footsteps. I'm thinking back with mine. Like my father was a player. I was you to always imitate them, yeah. you know, and then you were trying to prove yeah. them right. Like you try to prove them right or wrong, like whether they believe in you or not, but it shapes you and it automatically yeah. sets a path for you. We have a lot of, ex- maybe that path is for you. You never know. Yeah, you never know. You never uh, know I know but. now that I'm close to 50 that it was not for me. I'm not that kind of yeah, guy yeah, yeah, in that yeah. business. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, you get sucked in and ask any 10-year-old kid what you're going to be when you grow up. Most of, the, most of them will tell you what their dad is doing. Yeah. 
And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when time came for me to pick, I just had one thing in mind to be to go to the sports science department without even knowing what I want to do. Yeah. Because I like sports. That that was it. I didn't like much else. I had interest in many other things, but I didn't really want to follow any other profession. So right. I was lucky because it panned out. It could have easily <laughs> not, but um, that's how it happened. So, you know. But that's, you know, like the, you, you're always looking for mentors, father figures that are, you know, that you can look up to and follow those footsteps. Oh, absolutely. Who, who were those guys for you in the States that set you into that strength and condition direction that, you know, yeah. led you to the path of, of great, great schools, great, great background where you had really good education and made you who well, you are the today? School, the, the funny thing is, and, and uh, you know, if you believe in God, you believe in God's hand, you believe in luck and the universe, whatever. Uh, to me, I remember applying, I didn't know, now, again, this is the 90s, there's no internet. So kids, yeah. younger kids or coaches or whoever is listening and they don't remember that era. So to, to find a university from Greece, you had to, you know, what do you do? Uh, you know this ones that, that they have good basketball programs and, and you know. And uh, what I was looking for was a basketball program, a sports school and good education. So... Make the long story short, you got to go to, to this foundation, get a directory. That's a big old book. And you open it up and there's the, 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 the yellow, reading addresses. Yellow pages. <laughs> right. The yellow pages for colleges. So yeah. you have to, you know, you know, pick which ones you want. Then you have to la actually write a letter and present yourself mm -hmm. in English, of course. Yeah. And send it. And they will send you the admission materials. And I remember sitting at home and then they came through mail, these big envelopes. And, oh, yeah, they send me. And then you get all these papers and the application forms that you have to fill in. And, and I got the one from Texas. It was the least fancy. It was almost black and white. It was burnt orange and white. No colors in it. Uh, being Texas now, I understand. But uh, I, And I remember, I looked at the program and I said, this is where I want to go. I didn't know anybody there. I looked up the professors. It, it was a top program. I knew that. And it was the first college to admit me. And it was the only one to admit me on, it was the first one to admit me also on a spring semester. So I picked it. I didn't even open the other ones. That is karma for me yeah. because I flew there, yeah. uh, started the program, went and talked to the strength and conditioning coach, Todd Wright. And I asked if I can go watch his program. Can I come to the weight room and see your weightlifting uh, session? Said, yeah, sure. Show up. Told me where, where to go. Went the next day. I said, hello, the team was training, college team, uh, University of Texas. I sat in a corner, watched everybody train, said goodbye, said, well, when you train again, said, you know, after tomorrow that time, I was there again and again and again. So for the next month, I was going to class and I was going to Todd's. And he said, hello and goodbye. That, that was it. I asked permission to copy the board because he wrote all the yeah. programs there. Yeah. And I went back home and just kind of started looking at it, uh, studying at school full time, um, And uh, at some point, one day he said, hey, uh, I walk in, there's nobody there. I said, what happened? I said, we canceled lifting. Oh, I said, all right, well, can you help me clean the weight room? Can you help me clean this physio, the Swiss balls? And I remember I felt, oh, my God, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm noticed. I'm asked to do something. So Todd is, is my, my friend and my mentor. He's the guy that, that took me by the hand and walked me into this world. It just so happened that he was a... He was a big name. I didn't know about that. He was an unbelievable person and a great coach mm -hmm. with the meaning of the word coach. He knew how to, he was great with connecting with the kids. And 
this was my early influence and I'm following his steps and his general example, because obviously I developed through other people and myself, all right, but, but um, he's the main stamp, let's say, the main uh, influence. And we became friends, directed me to where I, I had to go. And um, he, he's, I, I know, you know, still we, we have a, a connection. And I heard from several other people that, oh, I know you because Todd told me great things. And that's oh, 20 years yeah. later. Yeah. So I can't thank him enough. If he ever listens to that, which I doubt. But, <laughs> um, he was my big mentor. Um, and then also... Um, my, my professor at the university, uh, Dr. Edward Coyle, uh, big name in, in the ex-phys world, he taught me what I got from him was the toughness. He was a tough guy. He's, you know, if he didn't like you or he, he didn't like you, that's a wrong word. If you were not up to the standards of the program, he'll let you know and he'll dismiss you. Say, you're not good. You got to go. Yeah. And he was kind with me and, and uh, encouraged me a lot. And I'll tell you a story about that. And um, I, I learned from him discipline and the analytical thinking and how to, to approach problems. And he's the, his program was the first that showed me like that, that I, I was good enough to be in this world because, you know, coming from Greece, I was a player, even in the lower league. I came to the States. I was, didn't know anybody. Nobody knew me. And I didn't, I didn't have any bearings in this world. I didn't know if I was good enough to be here or not. Or not. And I remember the story that my first exam ever, it was in, I joined in January, so it's February, and mm -hmm. we're having the first exam in exercise physiology. Now that's a demanding, advanced program. And I'm studying, 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 and first time I would go in there to, to give the exam, and first time in my life I'm stressed in an exam. I give so many exams in my life, language, university, entry, I never had stress, honestly. I was, I was going there, doing well or not doing well, I was not stressed. This time, I was sweating, because I didn't know, I, I, yeah, good yeah, enough, yeah, what's yeah. going to happen. Made stupid mistakes, like I, I was solving biochemistry problems, and I would go like six and six, six plus six is four, 15. <laughs> you know how your brain subconsciously looks at the paper? And it goes, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. something's off. So I went back and corrected. So that's finished, and a week later or five days later, we get the, the results. And I remember walking up that big building that we're, uh, that we're in, the department was in. I said, you know what? Self-talk, you know, whatever happens, we're going to keep going and keep trying. And I thought I failed. I, th I thought I really I, I did bad. And professor comes in, hands out the, the exams and, you know, gives me a stare. I said, oh, that's not good, you know. And then I just lift up my little paper and it was an A+. And I, I got the biggest grade in the class. <laughs> Even my, my classmates were surprised. I was surprised. I, and then from then on, that was the first thing, the first really, uh, let's say, positive sign that, you know what, you know, uh, you're working hard, you're good enough to be here. Then Todd encouraged me and, and, and so on and so forth. So in the States, these this were the two biggest influences. Of course, you learn from everybody. Coach Felton, my first coach at the University of Texas, uh, sorry, Georgia, when I got that job. Big experience. I was at, uh, now it's called Exos, before it was Athens Performance. Mm -hmm. I was in their first facility. Todd pointed me to that direction. I got accepted in their intern program, which was pretty competitive. Uh, drove, that's another funny story, drove from Austin, Texas uh, to Arizona in August. Now, people that know <laughs> is plus 40 degrees Celsius, 110 Fahrenheit. My old Mercedes Benz, 84 built, doesn't have an AC. <laughs> Get this. 
<laughs> windows don't roll down. Oh my god! The only thing that that it's you can open sauna. is the roof. What do you call that on the roof? Yeah, the the loophole. And, that, that and little when loop. it gets heated, you gotta hit it. You gotta hit the ignition with a with a hammer to, to get started. It's a it's a surreal thing that I just drove out there for two days. I was driving I ten going west to go to to <laughs> and. and Todd told me in July, he said, I can get you in. You don't want to go. I said, is that good? He said, it's like doing masters in strength and conditioning. Without thinking, I said, I'm there. I didn't even think, you know, how I'm going to live there. Are they paying or how I'm going to get there? Who, where I'm going to live? See, I'm, I'm in. Tunnel and, vision. Yeah. Like, it just, if Todd said I had to go, I got to go. Yeah. And it sounded great. And I canceled my vacation in Greece, half of it. And I came back earlier, just stayed in Austin one day, drew, drew to Arizona. Stayed in a house for another five guys uh, and one girl. We were all interns paid by by Exos mm -hmm. and just trying to live for five months without pay and just working hard. So, But Mark Verstegen was there running the place. Unbelievable coach, uh, a great presence. Uh, yeah, and, and that was, took my, my skills, I think, to another level. And I, yeah, so, so many good coaches over there. And watching Mark, such a powerful figure. Mark. And, and a leader. And Mar Mark is really an example and a mentor for, for leadership. Uh, I didn't interact with him a lot, but just for him being being there and seeing what he did with EXOs was just amazing for me. I mean, and, I and it's sorry to interrupt you, but it set the standards. Mm -hmm. And that's some, a point that I think is worth making because many times after that, I'll, I'll just be asking, hey, what do you think about this weight room? What do you think about this coach? When you see Mark Verstegen and he's EXOs or when you see Todd and, and what he he's done that the standards are pretty high. And yeah, sometimes you yeah. come across as arrogant, but, you know, I want to be like them if I can. I wish I could. And this is my measure. You follow their example. You, yeah. see, you see how they're... like. That is just, good. Yeah. We, if you ask me if somebody's good, that's good for me. Yeah. You know, yeah. If the weight room is... Is it a good weight room? Well, X is built the best one. This is a good weight room. So yeah. you have something to compare with and, and shoot for. So when I had the chance to build my weight room in Panionis or in Olympiacos, I said, we got to just triple quadruple the the effort because it's not good enough well it's good no it's not good enough because i've seen good yeah <laughs> <This is not laughs> you, you have you have a different yeah. bar i mean yeah. the, the bar the standard the is, bar is much higher, higher. Yeah, yeah definitely but you know like these mentors by the way mark was taken like i had i was into strength and conditioning too during my playing years and especially after i finished uh, with my injuries i had to finish And I was I was getting into strength and conditioning myself. I was very interested in that. And Marcus Stegen was the, the first book I bought, and I bought it because he re revolutionized German soccer. Yeah, uh, he, well, Jürgen Klinsmann brought mm -hmm. him, and yeah. they were all making fun of him because he was doing oh, this. Yeah. Like it's like it's like uh, hiring a Saudi Arabia strength coach in Lithuanian basketball. Yeah, you yeah. know. But I think what that, what happened was uh, Mia Hamm, that's an American football star, yeah. a woman, was training in LA, and I think she was married to Klinsmann, or and that's where Klinsmann saw what they were doing, and they he brought him over, and they revolutionized the whole thing, and they they blew up after that yeah. because they got. They were huge in America because of the NFL. But, yeah, and it was different, different like band workouts. And oh, it's yeah. completely he different this, yeah. He brought all this modern uh, sports training. I don't want to call it strength and conditioning to, yeah, to yeah. Europe. And, 
And there's a few other guys, obviously, that did a great job. But for sure, there is. Uh, but he, I'm sure, he paved the way for uh, oh, for absolutely. a lot of them because because for all of us. because he he changed the perspective in Europe sure. when with soccer is football. Yeah. European football is the number one global sport, and like it's yeah. it's it's, it's uh, uncomparable. And immediately yeah, he, on the big scene, it up. immediately. Well, the yeah. thing was that that new generation of coaches like Mark and Todd and uh, some other names in the states, uh, they just figured out. At that point, that that sports is not about if you want to train a person that that does sports, plays basketball, plays football. Yeah, you you can't only lift and run. You have to 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 get the, this more holistic approach yep. and teach speed and, and lateral speed and and it's not only iron, it's but it's also mobility, but it's uh, also nutrition and it's like speed work with the bands, a multi-directional speed and and movement and. And all that stuff, functional training started becoming a buzzword, mm-hmm. changing the old um, um, approach. S- approach of just lifting heavy weights or doing machines or going all out on the, on the, on the track and field. And I was lucky because I, I was in that revolution. I was in it. Uh, I met personally some, some of these great minds and uh, I saw how it evolved, the goods and the bads. Yeah. So, but that's when all this exploded. And I, and I was fortunate because I came to Europe right at that time. So I was doing that in in a world that never seen it. Exactly. So I was in the right time in the right place, mm-hmm. uh, coming back to Europe after the states, and talking about mentors. I don't want to under you know, underestimate the the mentorship and the leadership of my f- future coaches. You know, Yanis in Olympiakos mm-hmm. acted as such a person. It was my second year as a third year as a as a strength coach in teams, first year in Europe, and. I needed guidance, and he was kind enough, you know, when I made a mistake, not to either be in, in terms of behavior or, uh, you know, oh, technical, yes. just to be, to be like a like a father figure, because, uh, like you said, I was always looking for these figures, uh, older, let's say, individuals that, that will guide me instinctively. Coach this is a, is a guy that will, you know, will teach you a, a, and get the best out of you. So they all acted as mentors. You learn from everyone. 100%. And yeah. and we're talking about Yanis Sveropoulos, who's Maccabi coach, yeah. Dimitri Situris, who's the Tzeska yeah, so, coach. Yeah, I should have mentioned. Uh, no, it's. It, I mean, I, this, I think that most people who listen, they would probably understand. Yeah. But I think that Yanis, I, I, I got to work with Yanis as well for one year in Moscow, and he was the same to me. And it's like, you cannot yeah. imagine a better mentor Especially for a fresh, fresh meat like me, when like yeah. in, 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 quote, in quotation marks, uh, as as coming into a program that I've never been around at that level, to show you the ropes, like you said, behavioral, yeah. political yeah. issues that you kind yeah. of feel like you have but to you, handle but yourself. But he does it with a way where he's strict, and I love working with people that are direct and strict and direct. Yeah, uh, I just love this guy. And some people hate it because they they're intimidated and they feel that oh, this guy is harsh, and I, I just love it. Yeah. This is what I need. I need you to tell me what's wrong and how to fix it. And Yanis, and also coach uh, to this, they, they do it with love because they, they'll tell you what the way it is because you feel that they want you to get better. Yeah. They just don't want to reprimand you or put you in your corner. They want to lift you up. And now I, uh, with Yanis, I always say that he always, when, when I left, he always asked me when he saw me about, you know, what are you doing? Oh, I start talking about basketball. No, 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 no. Are you married? What's going on? Are, are you gonna have a family? Yeah. And he was in. He was uh, interested personally. Yeah. And not only basketball. And uh, as, like I said, you know, you have to be. You're lucky if you come across people like that, like Todd, like Giannis, or people that care and they can push you um, to the next level. And I feel 
um, that we as coaches have to do the same if we come to that position for people that are for coaches and people and, and students that come behind us and be open and, and try to help them because we, I think we owe it to, to us to to our mentors to the universe that somebody helped us we need to help other people succeed 1000 percent yeah I think I think that's and that's very fulfilling too it is it's it's probably the most gratifying feeling you can have yeah. when you help somebody else and you make a difference in somebody's yeah. life that you know I, that I, they I can tell benefit you from a story that I, I strongly believe that I, I I see it as a duty because it's unfair and it's a, it's a the Greek word is hubris 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 yeah. yeah you know if if somebody wants your help and you're able to give it and you deny when somebody else helped you so much yeah. and it's like you're going to get paid you, later yes. you know but um, I, 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 over the years, I've been invited and I've talked to many camps and kids and, and especially earlier. And even now, I go almost to every place. You know, I've, I've, I've been to places that you won't believe uh, just to talk to, to a camp that if some obscure camps, camp somewhere in Greece, I'll go, I'll talk to the kids because you never know how you're going to inspire those, those, mm. those, those young minds. And uh, I receive emails, I receive texts sometimes some on, on social media Hey, you don't want to know me, but I know you. You came to our camp one day. I was 12, and now I, I got inspired, and now I'm I'm becoming a strength coach. And I just did a live Instagram with one of these uh, coaches. He was studying now in Serbia. That he said he wrote me a message. Said you know you don't remember me. You came to Crete for one day, and you talked to us. And I, from that day on, I wanted to become a strength coach. So phenomenal. Yeah, it's phenomenal, and it's also a message how to respect every moment, respect whoever invite you and give your best. You never know who's listening and how you're going to influence positively or negatively because somebody will say, oh, look at this guy, man. He's, he's bored out of his mind. I never want to be like that. Set a good example. Yeah. And you might inspire somebody. Yeah. Mark Robbo inspired me. He came to talk to... He, I, I, get, I bet you've never been to... Maybe you've never been to Europe yet. He didn't know where Greece was. Maybe. I'm, I'm not saying. Yeah. But imagine he inspired me. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's you got to be careful. It's a certain certain responsibility you have in those Absolutely. in those positions yeah, towards you towards respecting your job, but also respecting the next generation. And that is yeah, because come. it's all one. You know, it's at the end of the day, if you help the the the, the industry grow or whatever you're doing, then it's going to come back to you. Of course, and they 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 come back and and they can say, oh, this guy was never really, yeah. it wasn't ready to perform on that day. It's like basketball yeah. players come in on the, and they, like Michael Jordan was always ready to yeah. perform every night, night in, night out because he, you never know who's watching exactly, and you never know who, who who's going to take and an example. Another thing, of that. because if you're a coach and you're listening to that and to this and that, a lot of uh, colleagues and especially in our world, they don't want to show their their secrets. You know, they just say, hey, I don't want to say something and. People are going to copy me. And I got a, a story about that too. And, and they don't understand that you grow so much when you share and when you give other people whatever you know, you grow so much and you get so much more credit that nobody's going to threaten you. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first seminar in Greece. I, I organized the first strength conditioning seminar in Greece. And I was a little bit skeptical about if people are going to like it. It was great success. And what I'm going to say? Am I going to say everything? What, what I'm, I'm going to tell them everything that I know, and I called Todd, and I said, mm -hmm. Todd, what do you think, what, what, should I just open up, he said, open up everything, and, and he, he said, open up, tell them whatever you know, and show, show them you're, you're the real thing, Yeah. which is kind of, yeah. sounds, sounds <laughs> doesn't sound very good now, but yeah. his, his message was, be open, Yeah. hey, just give them everything you got, and 
That's how you either do this or don't do it at all. Yeah, it, and I've been following that ever since. Don't yeah, don't don't hide behind your knowledge. Like don't like yeah. try to like oh maybe this guy I'm gonna open up my knowledge then he's gonna go and take exactly. my position. It's so not about if, that. If you're yeah. a strength coach and you and you you know you you're invited to talk somewhere, don't don't talk about bicep curls. Just say things that, that are meaningful and they're good and they're hard to find and they're uh, they're gonna help the the audience and the coaches that are listening to you. Yeah. Don't don't bullshit. There's no threat coming from that direction. Exactly. Yeah, that's one thing to remember. Nobody realize. can copy your personality, your knowledge, your your combination of experience and knowledge, and how you you make sense of things. And that that's what coaching is. Everybody knows X's and knows X's and O's. You look at the yearly game. A lot of coaches play the same things, yeah. but they're all different. So, so how you reach the person, how you reach the team. Sure. So, but you know, looking back at the mentors you had, which are I'm sure great personalities as well. Is there one question that stands out that always popped into your head or something that you wanted always to ask them to make sure that they can help you with? Something that you can... It was more technical, a lot. A lot yeah, of technical not, not technical, but more, more about the nuance. nuance. The nuance yeah, well, I wanted to know what I get, how do you deal with certain situations with athletes. And, you know, on an interpersonal so, oh, level. Interpersonal level. Yeah. But the, the, the thing that I realized and what these guys taught me is... Uh, it's very important to understand who you who you have to be to coach and not what you have to know. Yeah. Who do you need to become to be able to coach? And you have to grow out as a person, as a personality, uh, collect experiences and, and really work on those skills that are not technical in order to, to be able to communicate and be able to inspire. It's not about technical knowledge, it's about working with ourselves and grow us as people. And I followed yeah. that... Um, and I have many, many things that Todd told me, and this is a, a common like um, quote, I guess, that, um, you know, you have to, people, athletes always uh, want to know that you care. They don't care how much you know, they want to know that you care, that, yeah. that thing. But uh, this is where it is. I think that's the number one, the first step to communication and the first step into coaching. We're going to touch on the communication aspect just in a second because I'm fascinated. I, I studied communication yeah. by... Like serendipity, really. Okay. I was not supposed to study it, but it's happened and just opened up a whole different yeah. universe for me. It was like studying psychology on a on a different level, and for me, it was very helpful. But before we get to that, which is very important, yeah. um, looking back at your career now, two-time Euroleague champ, was there a time where you thought this this is like a make or break moment for 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 my career like i sh like grasping this opportunity and you think like man either now or i might just not make it well uh yeah more than more than one um and i think in all of us you ha you're every every now and then in your life you you come to some crossroads and you got to either be lucky enough like you mentioned the two euro leagues and somebody make a shot and you win you're prepared you you did everything you could but yeah. still you rely on on somebody else making the shot um, or the most difficult putback you can imagine by Hryapa yeah <laughs> to some, force over some time magical appearance because i saw that that shot that nando shot and you knew it was not going in yeah you, you could tell yeah. right away yeah, you, you know sometimes balance. you can yeah. tell it was yeah. just not going in and then there's victor <laughs> and changes <laughs> right place line. right time <laughs> and you, and you go and he put puts it back and, and that was the final four in berlin for in everybody berlin for 2016 um and many more moments like that but uh, down the road there were moments that um entering the university these exams that i kind of slipped through i was <laughs> mm. i don't want to tell that story because it's gonna it's long but 
making it in uh, uh, in the university in in America, just getting getting through that and those those calls of accepting or not accepting a job. Uh, I accepted the job at the University of Georgia mm-hmm. when I had a, already a good job working with Todd in Texas and. Um, Leaving my fir- leaving the states and going to Panionios in Greece, my first job in Europe, that was a huge leap of you know big step, mm-hmm. and it could have gone either way. And I, but the thing is that I always took those steps and I, I followed hundred percent, never looked back. I went full throttle ahead, and failing was never in my mind. I always had this uh, naive maybe expectation that I'm going to do great and things are going to work out just fine, and that's. I have another story about that. When I I was going, before I, jo- I before I went to the states, I finished my university. I'm driving down. I remember my brother calling me. My brother lived in in, in London at the time. He said, "What are you going to do? Like with you, you going to the states? What are you going to do?" My brother works in banking. Has no clue what's going on in, in sports. I said, "Yeah, I'm going to go to the states. I'm going to finish the uh, this uh, exercise physiology degree and work in the NCAA. Come back and probably work in one of those." I swear to God, I knew nothing about anything. So that's how it happened. Like I had a blueprint, then it, it just happened to, that's how to it, work. I don't want to underestimate my work, but I got to admit I was also a little bit favored by by fate. You by know, the gods. By the gods. I was lucky. The Greek uh, gods. Just, I, I'm, this is not a makeup story. And I remember when I was in Olympiacos, First time in my career, for, I, I felt it three times. Once, when I was in Georgia, uh, my first month we practiced, and I remember I'm sitting in the middle of the court, and I'm thinking, it can't get any better than this. <laughs> I was making, sorry about the language, shit money, uh, and, you know, struggling, but I said, I can't get any better than this. Then the second time I said it when I was in Olympiacos, which I left a safe environment for me in Panionio, stayed there for one year, came back from Europe, Getting the Olympiacos job, big step. Everybody was telling me, don't go, because that was the first year they started rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And uh, before that, it was three, four years of disaster. I said, don't go. I said, that's an opportunity. I have many stories about Big Sofa there, signing Big Sofa and all that, how that affected my life. Um, and I just remember we're in Biela in Italy. Italy uh, it's a small town, people that don't are not familiar. Preseason game, sitting in the middle of the course. I can't get even better than this. I'm in, in the top team in Greece, one of the top in Europe, and he can't get any better than this. Yeah. And the other time that I saw it, I, I said this was when we were in Ceska uh, after winning Berlin and, and just kind of getting that stress away. I said, he can't get any better than this. Yeah. This, is, this is it. We're winning. So I'm blessed because there have been moments in my life that I took that turn that you said in those make or break points, and it worked. So... Biggest make or break point was Big Sofo. I'm just going to talk about one minute. I was uh, when we signed him. I was with uh, Yanis Feropoulos in the office Olympiacos. Mm-hmm. That's my third day of getting the dream job. I, I just I just signed, getting the dream job. We're designing the preseason of Olympiacos. Phone rings. It's uh, agent of Sofo calling Yanis, and he Yanis hangs up and then tells me, "Yeah, look, we signed Big Sofo. Sofo, please call Yanis." And you got to go to the office of the agent and bring him here. We weigh him and, and we get started. That was the one moment that I said, you know what? If this works, he's going to be great because this, this kid needs a good strength coach yeah. and a person to communicate to help him. Or if it doesn't work, I'm done because I'm going to get the blame. 
So, you know, throughout make or break moment. No, no. If you're talking about make or break moment, that it, it can go either way, that was it, I think. Because I got up, Sofo did a great job with great friends now, uh, good friends. And uh, this sounded very Trumpish. We're great friends. Okay. <laughs> Trumpish. <laughs> well, we're good friends, and he worked hard, but he, it was a moment that if it didn't go well, it probably gonna, it would have stalled my career significantly. So, so I'm grateful that, for the opportunity, and I'm grateful for him because he really did work hard for me. So that's a good uh, transition point or like where we can leap into the communication aspect because you mentioned communicating with Sofo. Like yeah. What challenges do you see today in, by communicating with players, trying to reach them? What cues do you look for? What are the things that stand out to you the most where you're kind of building the relationship and you have to get their trust? What are, what are the things or tools that you feel like you, you have to well, trust to get there? Get their... that's, a, that's a tough one, but you know, after all these years, the, the, the most important thing, and for me it comes from heart, is that you have to care. First of all, you got to take your time. You can't just demand acceptance. You can't demand trust. You can't demand friendship. You can't demand that somebody will come in, that you, go in, you walk in the weight room and everybody will, is going to welcome you. Um, so the first thing is the right approach is put your ego down. The, 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 uh, for me, that's important for the player to understand that you're there for, for them. Mm-hmm. You're not there to show up your, your skill or to tell them what to do. I think that era is gone, the, the era that I tell you and you do. Uh, and then through the first interactions and the first um, uh, hours that you spend with the athlete, they need to understand that first and foremost, I care about you. And in my line of work, look, I care about your health. I care about your performance. Tell me about your life. And don't worry about basketball. We'll talk about it later. I'm with you. You know, just make them feel that these guys, he's, you know, it's not only because they, like you said, they have a barrier. Yep. You know, drop that barrier a little bit and, and we just, let's communicate like normal people. But it's not fake. Like it's, it's, no, it's not authentic. They'll figure it out immediately. Yeah, and I'm sure that yeah. that doesn't work with everybody that I've worked with. But my thing, you know, be relaxed, be, be human. Show the, your, your human uh, uh, interest on, on what's going on in their lives. And I'm happy to say that down the road and through the years, people, athletes will trust you with their personal problems. They'll ask you questions that are not related to, your, to, to our work. And that shows that, that they have a little bit of trust with you. I'm not saying that everybody's going to open up and they, you're going to be their guy, but at least you're going to be able to, to get your message through. And as coaches... If you know so many things and if you can communicate with the athlete and cannot make them, you know, benefit from what you know because they, they, they're reluctant and they, they have a barrier, then all you know is for, for nothing, yep. right? So that's what I tell everyone that you have to work on your communication skills and, and try to figure out that way. Well, now is the second part is that you're Benas from Lithuania speaking, you know, English. I'm Greek from, white Greek guy from Greece. And here's a, another kid or another girl that she's from somewhere, you know, downtown, right. so the inner city of some American, some American city. Let's say, communicate. Okay, great, communicate. You got nothing in common. You don't have any common experiences. You don't have a common culture. You don't understand each other. So that now becomes a challenge of, of finding those those uh, common threads that is going to allow you. To, to communicate and there's a lot of misunderstanding right from the start that most of it is subconscious. So, you know, <laughs> a lot of people think that you might be racist or you might look at them in a different, uh, with a different eye because they're you know, black or 
you don't share those experiences that they had grown up and, and you had a completely different life. So that now becomes a matter of finding common common ground, whatever you can find. Whether it's sports, for us it's always sports because we most of the time it's a sports family. And uh, that is also hard to, 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 to manage. So respect for, for, for where they're coming from is number one. Acceptance, uh, unconditional acceptance from their, uh, their, of their world. Yep. And I think the most important thing is to understand their values and coach on their values and not on your values. So find out what's important for them because we make assumptions. Very often as coaches, I think that we assume that we're all here for the same thing. That might not be true. Somebody might be here for the fame. Somebody might be here for the money. Somebody might be here because they're just been playing basketball their lives. Some might, their you know, whole existence is geared to winning a EuroLeague. But we assume that we're all here to win and we are here to do great. No. that uh, So you, you cannot coach somebody and tell them, oh, you know, we've got to win the EuroLeague. And maybe they don't, that's not the number one for them, not number, number one thing for them. Maybe the number one thing is to make enough money to provide for the family. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, I'm, you know, talking about or morals or God, and they don't believe in God, for example. So these are crude examples. You've got to find what their values is, what is their, 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 what's important in their lives, and build on that. Yeah, you, you can't come in with preconceived notions and expect that it's just going to be the way you imagine it to be or the way it should be. Exactly. So it's, it's a negotiation to a certain expect, uh, to, to, a certain, to a certain aspect, but I think that it's also like finding common ground. And like you said, sure. there's like different cultures. That's why it fascinates yeah. me on a team where you have different yeah. cultures coming together and then you have to find just same lingo and, to and, talk. And then the question is how you do that. One good, let's say, advice or experience is that you got to listen. You got to listen to the words. You got to listen to the body language. You got to listen to reactions. Uh, pay attention. And mm. that gives a lot of clues. If I tell somebody to do something and they make a face and they do it, I know they don't like it. Or if mm. they go slower somewhere, let's say. How do you handle that? Well, you handle it by recording it and, and try to figure out what's wrong. And I, sometimes I, hey, what's up? You don't like that excess? Ah, you know, coach, every time I did that, my back hurt. Okay, well. Yeah, that's another thing I was getting to. Athletes are not open. They'll do what they tell them, what you tell them, but maybe they don't like it, or you assume that they know what you know. And that is a great. I have some great examples of doing preseason, and you know, in preseason everybody gets tired and they're sore and they're slow and they're heavy, and and somebody, a common friend that you had also as a player, is asking, "Do you guys know?" So I try to explain to them what's happening and why we're doing this, this overcompensation. So he says, so you actually know that this is happening to us? I said, are you serious? Like, of course. Like, this guy, this professional basketball player uh, in his fifth year in Europe didn't realize that preseason has that, that goal to, to overload you so you, you know, more resilient later on. Or nutrition. Uh, you know, we talk about supplements sometimes. People didn't realize that, hey, You want those supplements because, let's say, you break down protein and you need more protein. We don't give you this protein to make you bigger. Why are we body fat? Who cares? Uh, oh, I guess somebody, another friend, another player that we both knew. No. Oh, I guess somebody's uh, interested to see if we're fat. I said, no. You know, I'm, I'm weighing you. I'm taking a lot of information, taking body fat. I'm, I'm interested if you're losing fat yeah. and losing muscle mass, you're overtrained and maybe you need help. I don't. 
So the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. now uh, the athlete, ex- instead of being reluctant and, and defensive and his body fat, he wants to get body fat because he wants to see if he's overtrained. Because we assume that they understand. They don't understand, they understand sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Why, would they, uh, why would we take protein? Oh, because you break down protein. And you look at, and you know now he wants to listen. He's looking at you, oh, what do you mean? Well, listen. So yeah. what I did in many years in Cesca, we didn't do it this year. I, in the beginning of the season, I, I give them a talk, a PowerPoint and everything. Put everybody in the in the in the locker room. Forty five minutes nutrition. Wow! Said, yeah, in the <laughs> first, of first master class, everybody was shocked. Like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to read out my PowerPoint. Uh, after that, a lot of guys said, Hey, that was cool, man. That was cool. PowerPoint and everything. You cool? You That's know? awesome. Because they asked quite. You can see that they were interested. Yeah. Because I said, Hey, this is the protein. This is the amino acids. These are like bricks that build a wall. So when we give you amino acids or proteins, the same things. Nothing bad. This is what it's for. I think that so now that, communication becomes easier, yeah. right? Because we assume we are we assume that they understand what we're telling them. We assume that when they yell at, they they understand it's for their own good. Where no, some of the, some of them don't, and they get in their own way. So it's that's what I'm talking about. You got to listen. You got to understand. Don't take anything for granted. Find out their values, and then things are going to get easier. Hopefully. Yeah, that's that's one thing that you like. You want to help them understand so they can all help each well, other. One of the things <laughs> you know? that, that uh, Mark Verstegen said is uh, motivation through education. Yeah, yeah. And it stuck, it stuck. And that, that presentation, Exos did it with all the athletes. I said, that's a great idea. Um, let, let's let's edu- Because every time you explain why you do an exercise, people will do it nine out of ten times. I, I had guys that didn't want to squat or didn't want to do Olympic lifts or weightlifting exercises, the cleans, the snatches, these things. Mm-hmm. Because they they didn't understand why they had to do it, it looked hard. Uh, they were not coached properly, so it caused pain. And once you you explain why we're doing it and how we're going to do it, and by the way, let's try it. If it doesn't work, that's fine. That it comes back to the point where you know, kill your ego. Your preconceived notions mean nothing. See what the athlete actually needs, and do that. And adapt, you know, adapt, adapt, and be a good salesman. If you believe in something and you believe that they should be doing it, find a way to convince them. And that way is just to explain why it's good for you. That works for me every time. Okay, now, but let's let's talk about, because you work in a staff yeah. with coaches, obviously. How do you address certain issues within the staff that a player has without undermining the player's trust Within within the, within the staff, you know what I mean. Like yeah. there, no, there's, a, there's a certain there's a yeah. certain there's a certain well, accountability. The strength, the, the strength coach is 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 kind of in a unique position because you're you're in the coaching staff, but you're also part of the medical staff, mm-hmm. and your boss is your head coach and the coaches above you. But you're you run your own department, let's say, with your assistant, and you're, you're so above of you got your your, your coaches and the management. You, you're you have to do what, you know, they're your bosses Boss, and you yeah. have to give them the, the reports and, and you report to them, your loyalties to them. You, With the same level, you're with the doctors, so you got to work with them without having an authority to tell them what to do. So you have to actually have be able to work with, with, with people. And then you got the athletes who are above you and, and horizontal and below you. I don't know where you can put the athletes. So your loyalty is kind of to your coaching staff, but you cannot lose the trust of the players right because they so what, yeah. because after that you're done yeah right you, you just might as well leave um so when some so many times players will tell you something knowing that you're probably going to 
say this to coach or because they're venting and they don't want you to tell this to coach. You have to differentiate between So the two. now you got to figure it out. Yeah. And it's, after a few years, you kind of figure out which, if, if coach finds out about what you said, you, you, that's not going to be good. So you, he's not going to find out. You don't tell him that, you tell that to yourself. But sometimes there are things happening in the team that the coach needs to be aware of. And that's the tricky part because your loyalty is to the coach. And the coach is in his own, you know, uh, stress and his own uh, struggles. And when you tell him something, sometimes they don't filter it. And there's been occasions where you tell somebody, let's say a crude example. You know, Benos went out last night. He, he stayed late. So in the huddle, he'll call out and say, hey, and some of you guys are out and you stayed late. So everybody knows that you just told us. <laughs> and I had some, I've been burned a couple of times. Uh, so now I'll make sure, first of all, I never say something to the coach that can actually harm a player. Yeah, I'll talk to the player and I find a way to just, solve the problem or bring it to the coach in a way that is never harmful and that's my rule that coach needs to know but i'm not going to harm the player i got to find a way and that so everybody gets what they need to get right and um i now with with coach to this i openly tell them tell him hey please just keep it to yourself you need to know that yeah. please don't bring it up because that will that's ruin. that's a border the player, that's the thing because some player might listen to that that's actually beneficial to the player because now the coach knows how to handle you yeah if you're frustrated he understands where it's and, coming from and you wouldn't never want a coach to find out well it's good that coach will find out in the right way yeah. because now he's going to resolve it right I, so i think it's about the context of when the information gets relayed to the coach yes. to understand okay this this these relationships yeah. are important but let me ask you if the player is in in pain he's hurting but he wants to play He doesn't want the coach to know. He doesn't, but you know, it's a situation. It's a risky situation that where, is a like, big conversation right yeah. here because now we now nowadays we're collecting a lot of data and questionnaires and GPSs and things like that. And and a lot of players are skeptical because they don't want the coach to know if they're tired. Uh, for example, they they might think that they're not gonna coach is not gonna play them. Um, or, uh, then. Um, you know, they're not going to play them. And then uh, if they get hurt and they're in pain, they might think they're going to sit them out in the next game. Or if they don't play well, the coach will blame them, blame them that, you know, you didn't play well because you were, you were hurt. But there's a fine line because we're professionals. And, and at the end of the day, we're responsible for their, for their health. Right. And when I say we, it's the strength coaches and the doctors and whoever is involved in the physios and the, in the rehab. So medi medical staff medical and staff. training staff. So there's a fine line because sometimes you know a player has a, a problem, but they can play through it. They better, they really shouldn't, but they can. You know, they're not going to get too much worse or they it's going to be prolonged. And it's just a, a very, very thin line. I have a rule that if playing in a game will put you in danger of getting something more serious, you're out. It doesn't matter how much you want to play. If you have an injury, let's say an ankle sprain that is going to get more swollen, but you have to play that important game and you want to play and you feel that you can perform, then we might just, okay, well, well, let's all agree that it's going to get worse. Instead of sitting out for five days, you're going to sit out for 10 days, but because it's the playoffs or because it's the Final Four, you will play. Very rarely we allow somebody to play through pain if it's not a do-or-die game like the semifinal yeah, 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 or the yeah, yeah. last game of the of the playoffs and really we, I the health of the players is number one 
Have there been mistakes? For sure. Have players overestimated their abilities and hidden something for us or downplayed it? Yes. Are we going to make mistakes? Yes. And we're all human. Yeah. We're but, human. But the it's rule a ju- is, judgment call. Yeah. The rule is we're never going to uh, put a player in, a, in harm's way. We're, even if you want to play, we'll try to, to protect you. Okay. Uh, let me let me ask you. Let's let's shift let's shift to this next subject that I want to talk to you yeah. about about your newest project and the, the <laughs> your newest baby. You have yeah. couple, you have several babies yeah. actually, <laughs> well, but but your newest baby, the Euroleague Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association. Um, what is it about? What are the goals? What are what has the process been, or how has the process been, and what do you see? Uh, what do you hope to get from that? Well, the Yearly Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association is a new association, uh, and it kind of sex, self-explains that it's the the it's all the Euroleague strength coaches. We're we're eighteen head coaches, and about fifty percent of the teams have now assistants, so we're more. Um, and up until now, uh, we have been talking be- uh, before the warm-ups, meeting, saying hello, hey, what's up, what's going on, exchanging some stories, and that was it. And a couple of years back, we started having that need to, hey, let's, let's talk outside the, the court. And we actually went for, for food or for, for, for a drink or for coffee with some of them. And it, it was it's strange people listening to it, but we, didn't, we never interacted. So we were, we're all in our world. And uh, then uh, I, I started thinking that, I don't want to say that I started it, but it was, you know, it was something that was initiated by myself uh, uh, the Maccabi strength and conditioning coach Reggie uh, Fanan and, and Lucas Villa at that time in Basconia and we went out in Tel Aviv um, and we said okay who we went for food that was the second time we met and we said you know what we need to make uh, an association that was the th- third fourth time we mentioned it and I said you know what let's do it it was November let's organize last November Let's organize a summit in, in Athens. That was last summer. It got canceled because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Let's actually let's, uh, organize a summit, uh, a, a seminar where we're all going to meet and we're just going to present the world and, and just create it. And it started from there. We started thinking where to do it. We said, okay, let's do it in Athens because it's easy access, infrastructure, this and that, European Union, easy travel. And um, unfortunately, it got canceled. But we kept on this September and through chats and without really meeting all all together because of the restrictions, we finally formed it, and uh, we, we were proud to announce it last week to the world. And the, our goals is are multiple. First is to unite and uh, share our experience and our knowledge in the, for the good for our players, our teams, and the and by the, holding the seminars or by holding like. Well, we want to first of all get together and and share our knowledge and, and our experiences. Make proposals first of all for the good of our players that we work every day, our organizations, uh, and the league itself, just to improve the practice, uh, our practice, and also what we offer to the players. There's yeah. a lot of things that could be improved by proposing things, by influence decisions if we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, working with Elpa, working with with all the shareholders, our teams for sure, and your league. We just want to be a, a force of good, you know. We don't want to fight with anybody. We don't want to push our opinion to, to anybody. We just want to help. Help the chief doctor um, improve the health and performance uh, aspect of... Raise of awareness. Raise yeah, awareness. Everybody's, I don't want to start naming names because there's so many people in the Euroleague I'm trying sure, to do yeah. good. We want to, be, uh, um, we want to contribute to education. We want to create seminars, webinars, and, and educational events for other coaches. 
and we want to influence the grassroots let's say uh movement if you can like mm -hmm. the younger groups the mm -hmm. younger coaches uh younger players up and coming up and coming uh just to get the uh, better training and the coaches get our you know help younger coaches with our experience so education is huge for us um improving the practice our practice is huge improving what's happening in the euroleague uh is one of our goals and it's a it's a process we reached out to a lot of similar organizations throughout the world and i think that we you know with with hard work and persistence we can we can do something good with it awesome yeah no i it's it sounds like there's a lot of benefits from that for health and health of the players yeah. Just having optimizing the schedules, optimizing uh, maybe travel. Maybe there's we'll there's put our part, put our input into that. Yeah, you know, just having just a, a different uh, uh, opinion of, of of a group of people that work with the athletes every day, work when the in the, on the good days when they work on performance, or work on the bad days when they're injured. Working with uh, doctors, working with coaches, we're kind of in the middle. We have a, a wide view. Uh, there's some great coaches coaching right now in the Euroleague. Um, a lot of knowledge, PhDs, just a phenomenal group of guys. And I was very surprised now that we got to know each other and know their, their, their story and their education and their experience and their willingness to share. And this mm -hmm. is just a new generation of, of professionals that are open. And I was pleasantly surprised by, by everybody's commitment to the cause. And it's just a, really, it's a, it's a team and it's a... Uh, you know, team effort. It's it's phenomenal to me uh, how you manage all this stuff. I, I well, mean, you yeah. have. <laughs> are I you, tell you, are you still involved with Performance Twenty Two? Well, this is the thing. My first thing uh, and first priority is Cesca. Of course. So, yeah. uh, I'm not saying that just to say it. It's just I wake up in the morning, I take care of everything that is Cesca. You know, training individual players and, and all that. The the thing is that I have a, stru a structured day. So I'll wake up in the morning and then I'm not going to waste much time. I'm just going to go straight into doing things. So there's a little, there's almost no downtime. So I'll just stop working, put on my running clothes, go run, come back, shower, prepare lunch, go to sleep for 30 minutes or not, wake up, go to practice, so come nap, back. So nap is in your I schedule? I try to nap. I, I wake up not super early, but I wake up, early, you know, 7 o'clock, 7.30. Um, I'll just... Uh, work through the day, do my practice. If we have morning practice or travel, whatever Cesca has, and I'll try to, to nap at noon because it gets me through the day, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't feel drowsy up until eleven o'clock at night if I take a nap. If I don't, you know, you, you know, I'm not so, so productive. Mm -hmm. But I, I love what I do. I got a lot of energy. You mentioned Performance Twenty Two, which is uh, a uh, training facility and rehab facility uh, that we have back in Greece and I I started it in 2012 and 2014 I got some partners and it became from a strength and conditioning place it became a rehab place so now my partners are running it and I do give it some time but not so much anymore uh, you know I'm away for like now seven years right yeah so but I I'm, I am involved we do the, the calls and I give some stuff to the to the coaches so I do a lot of writing I have my own blog um, do Cesca, do seminars. Summer is busy with training athletes and doing seminars, and it's just, I'm just staying busy. I like learning. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, learning Russian. Maladiets. Maladiets. But you also have family and twins, if I may mention. Yeah. 
the, of course, they're right now with the situation going on. They're, I think, they're not with you, right? They're not in, in, well, in Moscow. Well, that's the thing that unfortunately we've been apart since August. Now they, they're going to be coming. So to be honest, that gave me the the free time needed to 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 do the extra work for the association. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. With, with the other guys, yeah. and um, when the kids come back into life, it's going to slow down a little bit. But it's again about programming and. Uh, not wasting too much time and just making the most out of the day. You yeah. still can do things. For example, when they first got born, I, first year and a half, I wrote very few articles because this is what I was doing in the morning. I was studying and, and writing and doing different things. And so I said, you know, the, the most important thing is raise those kids. So I did more videos because they're faster or I wrote only in the plane. And I, it was a conscious effort and decision. Sorry, it was a conscious decision that the priority now is the family and, and we got twins in it, which is, which is a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, I, I can't imagine. not being with them, but life brings it like that where maybe it's just a, a series of sprints. Now I have time, I have energy, I'll finish this and then it might slow down and do only the necessary, which is Cheska. Mm-hmm. And then when you find time, you do it. But I still, like I have a rule, I don't, watch TV, I don't uh, watch any shows before I go to bed, maybe from 11 to 11.30. I never, ever turn on YouTube, Netflix, or whatever during the day in my life. Yeah, that, that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a procrastinator in a different way, but I don't... Uh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I, I think uh, we, we do connect. Uh, we're both project men. Like we, we yeah. like doing projects, we like doing things, we like, like being active. I think I'm a little bit more scatterbrained because I like like I jump around, multitask, boom, and I I feel like because I don't have a family, I don't have I don't right. have anything that 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 ha- holds me accountable to a certain point where I have to do have to be at a certain time. Well, yeah. It's on my schedule, so it's a lot of freedom. The, big, the biggest motivation is a deadline. Exactly. You have a deadline. Like yeah, it's, I struggle. It's my different. wife is laughing at me because I'm doing all these presentations or webinars lately, and it's just. Last minute. Oh, I got, I got, I got to go talk to you for the last two hours. I'm, I'm starting in twice eight minutes. Oh, you never learn, you know. And and it, this is what it is. And uh, I know myself, so I don't get frustrated because I know it's going to be like that. But um, it's about. I think it's about energy. And if you like what you do, and if you're excited, you find the time because it doesn't become um, a burden. Like some friends of mine say, "Oh, you're always working. I'm not working. I'm having fun." Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm a little bit stressed. I, I, obviously, I like to go somewhere and have fun rather than write something. But writing something and, and working on a project is also fun. So it's, it doesn't feel like work to me. But That's it, why I like it. It's the same thing where when you go on vacation, I don't, I'm not a person to lay on the beach. Yeah. I go on a beach, but I want to do something. Yeah, play for, volleyball. For play, a couple like, of be, days, be, it's good to chill. But after that, you're right. You, you, you want to you be active. active like, to, me, to me, it's like you have that. experiences. Like, uh, I think there's also research on that, that vacation to be, uh, let's say, fulfilling and relaxing. It needs to last for 21 days, three <laughs> weeks, which is great for everybody that is a boss and listening. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't complain because we have a long summer. And you have to have experiences. You can't, if you go to the same place yeah. every year, it's not as relaxing if you just go to a different place or at least have different different you know experiences over there. I think we both will agree if 
it's all right to do all these things and to be active to be because it's also it serves a higher purpose but as long as you keep the main thing the main thing i think that you you can manage around i it. think that's the, the biggest the biggest i agree 100 with what you said the main thing must be the main thing and that that must be very well rooted in you because and to, to me never it never changed the, the main thing would like for example now is, is my team that's 100 percent what I'm focused on and you know I leave everything on the side until I finish what I have to do and there have been cases that I've been just doing that for for a long time I've just been doing the Tesca needs the whole time and not doing anything else so the main thing needs to be the main thing otherwise you just you're you're just not doing anything I agree otherwise you blow it all out. otherwise you're yeah. just blowing energy yeah so We're coming to an end slowly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening through I this. I like it's, talking. <laughs> I love I love talking with you. Yeah. It's 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 very it's very easy to talk to you. Yeah. I like talking, man. You, you saw that. You keep talking. <laughs> I just have to throw hours. in like you, you get a couple of cue words and you just yeah, roll yeah, just with like, it. I tell you that story. Um, so to finish up, I know there's starting five is one thing, but I think it's much more important to finish with the strongest five. Yeah. Not it's not always important to start with the best five. So I would like to ask you. How? What are the five things that you use or that you like that stand out in your mind? Whether it's books that you read or that documentaries you saw that motivated you, um, some kind of life hacks or apps that you have used before that make your life easier and that make you a better professional and person day to day. Is there oh. anything specific? Well, that, five? that's a lot of okay. Well, I talked to you about the people, and I think that. Yeah, you know, you got to start. the 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 most influence I got in my life was from people. My first, uh, my my mother, my first coach. Uh, his name is Menelaos. He's Greek. He, he's never gonna listen to this, but I. I feel, <laughs> he's the one that acted as a father when I was a teenager and obnoxious and ready to to, to fall on, on the under the cliff. And he's the one that gave me some kind of direction. Uh, Todd, you know, Dr. Coyle, Verstegen, coaches. I, people I in general. Yeah. People. These people that really shaped my way of thinking and, and acted as examples. Now, books, I like reading a lot. And um, I like, obviously, there's a lot of choices. But I'll try to pick one book from each category that, like, okay, I'm not going to mention any technical books like, mm -hmm. you know, Joint Structure and Function is a book that I go back a lot in our profession, but people are probably not interested about that. So, so uh, I'll start with a with a book that I read a couple of years ago and really summarized uh, it, uh, um, a lot of the questions I had and it makes some some great uh, great points. And it's called uh, Behave: The Biology of Humans uh, at Our Best and Worst by Sapolsky. Uh, it's a psychologist, I think, a researcher from Stanford. And he has also a YouTube channel. It's a, it's a great resource, uh, a great great thinker, and, and I, I strongly recommend because you mentioned also, also YouTube channels. So I'll come back to that. Um, one book that I read early in my, my life, it's uh, from Marcus Aurelius, this Stoic, Stoic philosopher. It's mm -hmm. called Meditations. Mm -hmm. A lot of short quotes and, and, and life thoughts, really uh, influential book. Um, another book is um, The Better Angels of Our Nature. Uh, big book, talks about how humanity is getting better and better and not worse and worse, eye-opener. Mm -hmm. uh, because we all think, oh, look at the world, what's is coming to world. He's making a great point that you know, violence is going down, deaths, death rates are going down, and the world is actually getting better. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a book that kind of like disrupts the Puts popular, things in perspective. popular thinking. Uh, another great book that I wrote, it's more uh, related to biology and what we're living right now with the virus. It's called The Gene. Mm-hmm. Very well written, uh, entertaining. And he talks about genetics, which we all dreaded in, in, in whoever, studied, whoever studied this biological sciences. Really good book. I recommend it. And I'm going to close with a... Actually, that's, uh, that's going to be six books, but <laughs> an, a book that always touched me and always moves me is called The Little Prince by Exuberi. It's, um, um, it's a French author. In the, I think it's the beginning of the century. He was an aviator mm-hmm. and a writer. So the, the, the airport in Lyon is, is named after, he, after him because he was an aviator, okay. was a, a pilot. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the early ones, I think it was in the 20s. And that is a very sweet book. Uh, it's, a, it's a children's book that talks about love and compassion. And it's a book that I read early in my life. I read it again. And it really touched me. And I, I recommend it. It's a, it will get you back in touch with your, with your kid, uh, your children's soul. And, um, uh, and another book that is also allegorical um, is called uh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Uh, I think the author is called Bach. Mm-hmm. And also I read it when I was younger, and it has a great soundtrack that my father used to play, so it, it kind of brings up the memories. But the book itself talks about a seagull that doesn't want to do what all seagulls did for thousands of years, and he wants to fly faster, and he wants to fly higher. Be different. Be different, and all the elders are warning him that he's going to get killed. So I'm not going to tell you what happened, but okay. uh, that's a, a short read. These are books that are like uh, really... Left a mark. Left a mark and uh, messed with my personality and kind of... And this seagull thing, I think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Be, be like the seagull that everybody told him, hey, don't fly that eye. It's not for seagulls. And he just did. <laughs> he was trying to break his record every time. And people thought he was nuts. So We're all a little bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> all, all of us in, in our walks of life, sometimes they told us, hey, don't do that. That's stupid. Oh, he's not going to work. And uh, But we went ahead. Yeah, I, I, I have those voices in my head too sometimes, but I had of people also who, who warn me not to do certain things. Yeah. I had people tell me not to do this thing, uh, which I thought was, you know, it's challenging, but I think, I th- like, it's, it's, another, it's, well, another, it's another challenge for me that I would like to accept. Yeah, well, the thing is that there's also, like everything, a fine line. You need, you need to listen to the voices yeah. that warn you because, you, yeah, you, you might be about to do something stupid. Um, and well, but you also can't listen to many like exactly. And what if you do it? Then you know that what you did is stupid, and you learn. It's, it's just a, a, and now as a father, I try to balance that and say, hey, how much you, freedom you're gonna give your kid to, to fail and mm-hmm. and uh, be in danger before it becomes really dangerous and you stop being productive and, and informative and educational, and it becomes harmful. Yeah. So that that antenna that we need to develop is. I don't know how you develop it. It's just something that comes with experience. Intuition. Intuition, yeah. And now you said you throw a cue word and here it goes. But <laughs> intuition, if you want to have intuition, you need to have knowledge on that field. So, for example, if you don't study quantum physics, you're never going to come with some kind of breakthrough in quantum physics. You need to have that background. So that's why all this, somebody will, might say, well, you're a strength coach. What about all these books where if you want to make sense of the world and other people, you need to have a lot of information that don't directly relate to what you're doing, but they they create that that uh, that perspective that then you can draw intuition from. 
I don't know if that makes sense yeah. because intuition is like feel domain specific. You can't have intuition about flying airplanes if you not don't know anything about flying airplanes. Oh. But if you know, if you, you know, study the human body, study behavior, observe and get that experience, then you might get in uh, a breakthrough. That's why coaches wake up in the middle of the night and draw a great play. How did that? Where did that come from? Well, they have the background knowledge to to get that intuition. It gives you a broader perspective, and and I think that those. The studying different different things, learning from different 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 fields, gives you also as a coach better tools to draw analogies to For explain sure. to players in a different way yeah. of how things can be, how things like just to give them a, draw give them a different picture that they can immediately relate to sure. without being that really about basketball, but yeah. certain something about exactly, life. Exactly, because they also want to relate to something yeah. else. It's not always robotic, it's and, not black and white. You know, history gives a lot of examples of lost and won battles yes. where what is sports. Exactly. It's a civilized... Sports, in my opinion, can be, para, it can be uh, you know, compared to civilized warfare. You see the... The reactions, the the emotions, the aggression that goes into something that has rules, mm -hmm. uh, that has fouls, and has certain time that you can do that, and there's certain rules that you can be aggressive. Whereas in the past, probably was not that, you know. No, no for sure. Aggressive. I don't yeah. know. If that, maybe that's a st stupid things to say, but you know, just, sports expresses that aggression that we all have, that competitiveness, Ab absolutely. In a more, more structured, civilized way. That's why I think it's fascinating to to play it and to watch it. Absolutely. People relate to it. It's it's emotions. Yeah. Cost us one word for 2020. In, uh, one word. Unforgettable. Unforgettable. Highly educational. Difficult. That's three words. That's, What's that's, your that's, one word? that's a lot. I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah. define myself. But I'll just stick with unforgettable. Unforgettable. Yeah. Yeah, this that's, is something that we're going to be talking about throughout our lives to our kids or whatever remember that time we couldn't go out and say, yeah, what? Yeah. what are you talking about yeah no that didn't happen we probably still can't get out in 2040 but anyways yeah well uh, we hope we can we can but tell tell people how they can find you because you're you're uh, you're you're highly available on the internet but um if somebody wants to reach you where can they find you well I, you mentioned the social media i'm on instagram i'm on on twitter i have a website by my easy to spell name costas hatsi christos with ch Uh, if you just dot com dot com yeah costasadzicristos dot com and if you just Google me costasadzicristos Tesca it will you know I'm on Facebook I'm on Twitter I'm on Instagram like everybody else these days I'm not a big social media guy I'm not spending too much time on it but I see uh, you always putting something inspirational on there so but, but I I'll, think it's every it's, now and then. it's worth a follow for sure yeah well I'll put something there if I if I have something to say I'm not waking up in the morning and worrying about posting I no. yeah. <laughs> shouldn't no, get anxiety I, because, because like I think that if you want to be successful on social media you got to do that but that's I don't care about that no no keep the main thing the main thing exactly All right, Costas, I appreciate you it's been fun and always fun talking to you and I'm looking forward thank you for having me yeah. uh, good luck to your project I know how much you uh, uh, how much thought you put into it how much effort and I know all your your um You know, we talk a lot about if you should do it or not, or your hesitation. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think you did a great thing, and uh, you know, you're going to enjoy it, and people are going to enjoy it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.